Good morning, traders and investors. Are you guys ready to get into the nitty gritty of the earnings season? It's really starting to kick off today. We will have a lot of earnings to get through, like six or seven this morning. Big reports out there. We probably can't even get through all of them, so definitely check them out if you're a trader or investor out there. We'll get into General Motors, NXP, Marathon, Phillips, Exxon, Caterpillar, Pfizer, McDonald's, UPS, Spotify, and there's some important news on Samsung, definitely affecting uh, some chips out there. And DoorDash getting an expected stock sale from co-founders. We'll talk all about that right here on Pre-Market Prep. You guys smash the like. It's time to rise and shine, team. Pre-Market Prep, let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. already uh turnaround tuesday uh we are 20 handles off that low at 00750 only down five handles now at 27 and a quarter uh the buck working its way back up uh up 16 cents at 102.25 bonds up a little bit less than a half a point at 130 and 530 seconds crude continues to work its way into the 70 dollar handle down 66 cents at 77.22 Gold looking a little toppy yesterday. Well, it's down 1480 today, 1924.40. Silver going the same way, down 39.3 cents. Bitcoin, that's up $245. Not really being affected by the recent decline in the market. Uh, that's up uh, at 23,070. So good reports and bad reports, Dennis. I guess that's the story of uh, after hours and early morning earnings. Lot of news, head on a swivel, all kinds of different stocks from different sectors reporting. We're getting a diversified view of what the economy looks like. Um, so so far, I'd say it's mixed. Mixed is probably the story here. Money Mitch, what are you saying? Well, I mean, this is just one of those things where I feel like you know everyone has been bullish and we were We've been riding the wave. Now I think it's okay to take a pause, right? And and if you can actually hang up here, it'll be better than just a quick turnaround to the downside, right? I think that's what the bulls need up here. It's not necessarily just going straight to 420. It's actually hanging up here. If we can hang out here for, let's say, a couple of weeks, it'll be really good because we'll make it through a lot of the major reports. And then it can give you the possibility of getting the next ramp, right? If we could get another CPI report continuing to show inflation coming down, then yeah, you could stay up here. You could see 420. But the big level that I've talked about, I talked about it yesterday, 400, 400. Can we defend there? Seems like that's what we're at right now. And we're starting to defend. Now, the question today is, do we come back down to the support that I see on the weeklies, which is down towards 394, that's the area where I think the bears start taking recontrol. So we're in a range is really what Mitch is summarizing here. It continues That's to be it. kind of in a trading range. We got up near the top of the range two days ago. You can see all those highs on 410 on the spy. We go back and we've talked with these levels back to the beginning of December. And then obviously tw twice in December, really going back to December the 1st and then going over to December the 13th, two days in a row, we topped right out at the 410. Tried to get up there two days ago to four weight, didn't quite get there. And now we failed there and we've come off. So now the question is, can the bulls get enough strength to continue to drive us higher? The, 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 the answer to that is going to be in the new information that we're getting. Obviously, we're going to get the Fed and we're going to get Apple, Amazon and Google and Meta and even AMD tonight and Snapchat. So that's going to be the drivers of the bus to see who takes control here. Right now, we're in the middle ground, bulls versus bears. It's 2-2, two, two, third period. 
Is it going to be a shootout or is it going to go to? Just it could go to overtime. Yeah, it could go to overtime. It's not a lot of time left. I don't know if they're pulling the goalie here. The Fed might be the you know pulling pulling Powell here. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I don't know what the hockey analogy worked. I just made up out of my head here. But well, let's just go and talk what the yeah, stocks good, and the bad, earnings good, from bad, last good, night. Bad. Yeah, yeah, it's good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. I mean, NXPI the earnings were actually not that bad. Give them money, Mitch. This was the one we got That's last good. night, but they hit the stock on it. So again, maybe a victim of higher expectations as the stock has run up. NXPI Semiconductor Q4 adjusted EPS at $3.73 beat the $3.60 estimate. Sales at $3.31 billion beat the $3.30 billion estimate. Uh, they did raise their dividend to now $1.014 shares. Um, that was from $0.84. Cents. And they do see Q1 adjusted EPS to $2.82 on the low end. A high end of three dollars and twenty-two cents versus a three dollars and nine cent estimate. So it doesn't look too bad there. Also, when you see revenues, though, they did put this slightly down from their estimate. High end of three point one billion versus a three point one seven billion estimate. And so that might be the driver, the little slight guy down on the revenues. But the report itself wasn't that bad. It's probably expectations that get it. The stock was one fifty-five two weeks ago, up to one seventy-nine. So we knew the expectations were raised. You're up at major resistance. It was an excuse for money managers to take a few pro- a little bit of profit last night in NXPI. Yeah, I think it also was could have been the Samsung report, right? Uh, Samsung report. Well, that's Micron. And again, because mm-hmm. Samsung came after. But give us the Samsung report here too, because it was not good, Mitch. And you won't see that because it trades with the five symbol ADR over here. But um, yeah, Mitch, jump into that. Yeah, I think it's important definitely to catch um, if you guys are wondering what's going on there. Semi, uh, Samsung Electronics saw its worst profit decline since the third quarter of 2014. The fourth quarter operating profit fell to uh, 4.31 trillion won, $3.4 billion, a 69% drop from the same period ago. And this was reported by CNBC. So it looks like Samsung taking a major hit there yeah. in their profits. Yeah, Samsung uh, down significantly overseas is a major driver. Again, it trades like S S N L F, like annoying. They, they're yeah. so annoying. These major companies, and they got like five of these symbols, and you're trying to figure out where are they <laughs> trading. Well, they're bullet, they're over the counter Amex, and I'm like, they don't have a pre market over here. Just annoying as hell. But anyways, over there, I guess it's trading down. So that's not helping. And also Taiwan Semiconductor here is trading down two bucks as well, which is not helping. And holy cow, did I get out of Micron just in time here, Joel? I mean, I had the order sitting out there. I was calling for the double top, 64.44. I believe I sold 63.90 two nice. days ago. It just fell four. It's just down another $2.37 here in the pre-market. Um, so question I guess we have on the chips now, is it a buy the dip opportunity? I think you almost got away for AMD. Yeah, but this NXPI, uh, I don't know. You might have missed the dip by there. I was looking at the, the trio of lows just under 170. Couldn't quite get there in the pre-market. You got a little bit of a bounce. But uh, on the upper right chart, I mean, you, you've got three lows in the same area. I think if you come back down there again today, this is called uh, 169.5, 170, uh, trading at 73.36. So, uh, three bucks away from that. Don't think you're going to see a gap fill at 78.84. Uh, that's on the upside. That would be uh, that would be the bottom of yesterday's range. Um, also, they just you know a broad stroke here. They you know I saw some people blaming you know investors uh, blaming Intel for the mess of uh, Nvidia and AMD. Uh, those stocks got hit yesterday. Great call on the Micron. I mean, it only snuck over 64 a couple times. So, the levels. Yeah. Sometimes that was the same with those Joel yeah. Alconan levels. Simple Simon. Yeah, and I'm just looking at that high and I'm like, it could be the double top area. So, I stuck the <sighs> order out there. I actually had that order out there for a week. Really? So, it was out there for, I put a GTC, had just sitting out there. I didn't even realize it got filled to the next day. Nice. And I'm like, oh, it did get me. You know, and then I, I had logged in. I was like, oh, I did sell my micro. And then I looked and it was actually, it was trading slightly down from where I had sold it. But I mean, sometimes just have your order out there. And if you've got a level, you've got a target, 
it's not a bad idea to have it out there. I know when you're day trading, I don't like to just put my orders out there because it pushes the price away from you. The high frequency traders see an order come in. But if you're just sitting out there and you're throwing out there and not paying attention to your long-term portfolio, have your orders sitting out there because sometimes good things happen. In my case, it was a good thing to get sneak out of that micron because it would already be down. It's already down almost $4 from where I sold it. Wow, the good old uh, GTC order. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for pullbacks in these things, I mean, they, they just had some really nice runs. So, uh, you, like you said, AMD is coming out. Uh, that's mm-hmm. going to drive the bus on uh, on a lot of these. But uh, big runoffs. NXP is on its way. NXPI is on its way back. You mentioned Taiwan Semi came out. That's trading down a couple bucks. But yeah. look at the move <coughs> that thing's had. Right? I mean, that's coming down. I see big uh, moves. Yeah, With- I mean. Just like the but, market, right? Yeah, with that NVIDIA chart, I think there's an important level to really watch today because a lot of people were calling inverse head and shoulders on this chart, and that's above the 193 area. And yesterday, I was calling for the pullback to that, and we actually broke through it. So a, a lot of bulls were playing this move to the upside. I think you could have some bulls trapped here if for any reason you start coming right back there towards, let's say, uh, Monday, the 23rd low of 178.18. You get back down to there, you're going to have some people trapped because a lot of people were looking for this to be a big breakout on an inverse head and shoulders play. So, All right, let's go right to the along. next stock. Let's go to the next stock. Let's go to GM. Definitely Ooh. an important stock to talk about today. A lot of... Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about, right? Their earnings and they made an investment here. So Q4 EPS at $2.12 beat the dollar and 69 cent estimate. Sales at 43.1 billion beat the 40.65 billion estimate. GMC's fiscal year 23 adjusted EPS at $6 to $7 versus a $5.81 cent estimate. They say they're on track to produce 400,000 EVs in North America from 2022 through the first half of next year. Uh, GM to make a $650 million equity investment in Lithium Americas, and the company will jointly invest to develop Thacker Pass mine in Nevada. Uh, GM will receive exclusive access to phase one production. And, hmm, LAC. I wonder who was talking about that one last week. Nice call, Mitch. Um, It's a good one. It's a good one to have. Definitely. Sometimes you see these things rip on these things and it's a selling opportunity, though. I would That's just true. say from a technical basis on my end, I think now I'd ring the register on this. You get that boom. And what we've seen um, again and again, it seems like when they get the good news, it's more of a selling opportunity than a buying opportunity when they have that gap up on the good news. I mean, you know, World Wrestling Entertainment, completely different story. But WWE has started to leak now here because there's no buyer coming. That was just the dumbest rally ever, in my opinion. Um, but we've seen this in other stocks here too, where they get the gap up, they're looking pretty good, and then they start to fade here a little bit too. So it's still just a contrarian market. And we can call, you know, what um we can call and say, Oh yeah, we've got some momentum going here and it goes for a bit. But overall, Joel, we're still in the trading range. It's still a contrarian market. It's still if you're buying dips and selling rips, you're making a lot more money than the person who's just holding on and hoping that stock's coming back to all time highs. Because this has been a trader's market. The fade trade continues to work. Even, you know, yesterday or two days ago and everything was ripped for a hat rally. I mean, now you get a little bit of the fade trade back in here again. So it's still a battle between the bulls and the bears. That was uh, uh, that was a nice pop there. It got near twenty. Did we get to twenty five dollars? I'm gonna make that twenty four ninety five. Not much on the dailies there to give you um, anything to indicate. Uh, twenty four seventy six was a daily high. I don't know twenty five eleven. I would say if you're looking for more on this one. You better get it. Take out that pre-market high and establish a 25 bid. Uh, if not, I'm in Dennis's camp here as far as a little bit of a pullback on this. Uh, 22.80 was the top of yesterday's range. Uh, that's two bucks away. I'm not sure you're going to see that today. GM, I think that has to be one of the surprising uh, reports coming out today. Nice pop up into the 38 handle. And kind of like your Micron chart, right? You had a couple highs in that area, 38.61. I to keep a real close eye on that, that, that pre-market high coinciding with that 38.61. 
Uh, if you're looking for support, and GM may do this to you, at the bottom of yesterday, top of yesterday's range, uh, 3726, that could act as, uh, act as support, at least in today's session. Ford getting a little bump off this, too. Uh, major resistance at 1350 and Ford. But uh, uh, they're coming after Tesla, right? I mean, yeah. uh, they're, they're increasing their market share. They've taken well, their time to do it. To, to Chanos's point, and this is a good segue into Chanos, we'll come back to the earnings here, Mitch, but Chanos was on CNBC. Um, we don't talk CNBC, but we talk it sometimes, and when they get the big people like Jim Chanos on there, you got to listen. Um, Chanos was saying competition coming. He's still short Tesla. His competition's going to get intense. He thought he said sixty to seventy dollars is where he thought Tesla should be trading at, not one hundred and sixty-seven or one hundred and sixty dollars. He said that, just repeating it. I'm not, I'm not saying it. I'm saying what he said. It's the reason the stock is down a little bit. I think this morning here because it did get hit when he started giving those comments. Um, obviously, maybe, but he's correct with competition. I mean, EV is coming from everywhere here now. The market share for Tesla is going to go lower. The question is, can the pie grow bigger? faster than the market share can get, you know, taken away from Tesla. I mean, that's to be determined. But, you know, Musk still, love Musk, done everything right. Um, is the 100, you know, a low for a long time? I believe so. I would think if you get, you know, into a rough patch and you somehow get a 50% retracement off this, I don't know if you will, but if you ever got down like the 135, 140 area on this again, there's going to be buyers all over the place. So I do think there's underneath demand here now. The valuation isn't as insane as it was at one point in time. It's still not cheap but it's not insane anymore. So, um, but yeah, going back to the General Motors and Ford story too, I don't yeah. know how they still sell or selling the cars that they are, but you know, they, people are finding the money. They're still buying stuff. They're not buying certain toys, but it looks like they're buying new cars. At least GM thinks they're going to be. So um, impressive, impressive earnings for General Motors. Full disclosure, I am still short Tesla uh, and jumping in on that one, got it at 178.30. I'm going to ride that. I'm going to ride it right now. We'll see what happens on that. What are you Tesla. in, Mitch? I'm short Tesla. You're short Tesla as well. Yesterday. I got it yesterday near the high. Um, yeah, nice. Nice. 178.30. Yeah, what, what's your target on it? Uh, 161 was my full target. I've taken some profit yesterday, of course. L looking the at the two 50 lows. 50%. Yeah. Of yesterday's move, off the Friday's move, that's what I was first looking at. That got me to 169. Then I was looking for at that point 61.8% retracement. Took a little bit more off. Now at that point, now I can just look for that 100% retracement of that candle, which would be 161.17. There's a good call there. You know, this these inside days, and I would say that is where your immediate support is. And Joel, you mm -hmm. love your candles. Looking at the daily lows and daily highs. I mean, you made a trading career off of looking at daily lows and daily highs. And you know, I've learned a lot from you over the years. You know, and that's basically me and Joel have always done the simplistic candle analysis where, you know, you look at where is the high. It's why I sold Micron where I did. You know, I'm yeah. going and grabbing a candle. What's an outlier candle look like? So um, sometimes, you know, they blow through them and sometimes they don't. But sometimes they do have pivot points on those candles. So I think it's a good target, Mitch. Um, I do think there's underneath demand here. So I wouldn't want to stay short Tesla too long. Exactly. Again, with so much information coming, though, it's hard to initiate positions here right now. We're getting so much new information. We're going to get the Fed tomorrow. We're going to get meta earnings. We're going to get AMD and Snapchat. Don't discount. You know, Snapchat's going to be big tonight because it gives you a feel for how online advertising is going. Thursday, Apple, Amazon, Google. I mean, cool. so much fundamental earnings information coming to this market. How are they doing? Like today, you know, chip's not so great, but then you got General Motors picking up the slack. And Exxon Mobil, what can you say? Maybe we should go to that because, I mean, they just buy the dip relentlessly yeah. in that. All right, let's go to the oil names now. I got three that I'm going to try to pull in here so we don't. We can try to run through them. I'm going to run through the reports. Then we'll talk about the areas of these stocks. We can focus on one or two. I'm sure we'll focus on Exxon out of these three. We'll do Exxon, Phillips, and Marathon Petroleum. Exxon uh, Mobil here, EPS, $3.40, beat the $3.29 estimate. Sales of $95.43 billion, beat the $94.67 billion estimate. So Exxon Mobil, a beat and a beat. Phillips 66, EPS at $4, missing the $4.35 estimates. Sales at $40.91 billion, beat the $39.12 billion estimate. They did authorize an increase to the resource purchase program a increase of five billion then when we look at mpc marathon petroleum 
Q4 EPS at $6.65 beat the $5.67 estimate. Sales of $40.09 billion beat the $36.69 billion estimate. So big beat there on both ends there of Marathon Petroleum. That's probably the report that looks the best, but definitely some buy the dippers in next month. They're out here, and the whole simple reason is that, you know, they're still making a ton of money. Even go back to the Exxon Mobil, they hit this money. pretty hard, Joel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of rode this through the report. I had it hedged with the XLE overnight in my overnight portfolio, and Exxon Mobil got the beats, but then it bounced back, and I did sell into the bounce, and I covered the XLE then as well. Um, wow, though. Like, I mean, the buy the dippers still lurk in, I mean, it seems like pretty much everything, but right now, especially still in those value stocks. So. <laughs> Her, her. Dip and a rip. Uh, this is uh, this is taking out yesterday's low here. With uh, you know, right now where we settled down with the volume coming, I don't know how it got back up to one fifteen again. But uh, let's see what let's see if the bears right now yesterday's low is going to act as a little bit of resistance here at one thirteen sixteen. I don't think you're going to see that pre market low of under one. I think one ten is a good area. That's uh, two sixty eight away. Uh, we'll look at that as support. And uh, that's how about CVX coming off that buyback, Dennis? Uh, what yeah. a what a that was a sell the rip opportunity. The that, day that's what I was thinking of, and I couldn't think about that one too. So wow. again, it's still this market, and I know everybody's you know thinking we're going to go into momentum. We're just going to continue to go higher and higher and higher and higher. Tough. And and Ryan Dietrich tweeting out, you know, and he's got some fantastic stats. Always, we love Ryan. And he's making a good point, you know, as strong January is usually equal strong year. So if you're looking at it Mm -hmm. from a statistical standpoint, I mean, there could still be some serious upside here. But I'm still of the opinion, I'm going to stay of that opinion, that, you know, I think that the consumer is going to get strapped at some point in time this year. So I still want to stay with quite a bit of cash. But again, as a trader, day trader cap on, Buying dips, selling rips. Not, I haven't been shorting too much. Like I'd still short stocks every day, but hedge. But directionally, I'm having trouble just, you know, saying, okay, yeah, let's short this. You know, it's coming in resistance. Like even a GM, go back to that one. You could say, well, 38 is pretty major resistance here, Joel. Kind of stands out on the thumb like a Harlan pie. And, you know, always used to come on our show. Look at the 90 day. What level jumps out of you? 38 jumps out like a sore thumb. So it's not surprising the GM's stalling here a little bit here in the pre-market mm-hmm. 38. So you think, well, maybe I'll take a shot, but then those are really good earnings. So do I really want to take a shot? These you know, in the stock too. that's kind of beat up, value stock. It is still a value stock. They're talking about making how much money are they talking about making? Seven, eight bucks? Yeah. They're talking about making seven or eight dollars. Six to seven. That's but I mean, the estimate was only five eighty-one. Wow. So. Six to seven bucks. So it's trading with a P of six or seven. If they hit those numbers, I don't think they'll hit those numbers, but I'm like, holy, I mean, if they do and um, and the soft landing does occur, GM's just dirt cheap. So at six or seven times earnings. And, and with the EV, you know, growing and starting to take market share, there's an argument for the bulls here, a good argument. So I was in GM a year and a half ago because I thought the EV eventually was going to go. But then, you know, I've been worried about recession, so I've been out of Ford and GM. But maybe there is a time to get back in these things if the consumer's not going to lay off which I cannot believe they're not laying off. There may yeah, be that yeah. opportunity still here yet to uh, look at some of these stocks, but uh, I'm not trading. I want to see how it goes. I think we're still just buying dips, not buying reps. GM up $1.70. So people say, oh, you talked bullish. It was 38 and it goes down to 36. So say I'm an idiot. Um, I'm not talking. I'm just giving you levels and saying there's a bull case. Just because I say there's a bull case doesn't mean I'm bullish. I'm just giving you both sides Good of the numbers. story here. I mean, the, the numbers are... Uh... The numbers speak for themselves. Uh, we just cover, we're jumping around a lot, but uh, with this this PSX, I just pulled that up real quickly. Boy, the bulls better get there, uh, get out there at one hundred five. Uh, pull back two day uh, two day decline, almost at uh, the high of the move, a little bit uh, well similar to the other ones here. But I see a couple lows at the one hundred five area, so make sure if you're playing this from the long side, make sure it gets a bid, holds at one hundred five, and uh, ways to go to uh, get to that close at one hundred six uh, forty two. Uh, and then MPC, you mentioned having that, having the best. Wow, that's up 286. Wow, I haven't looked at this thing in a long time. Oil stocks have just been unbelievable. Look at this move here. Holy Toledo. Yeah, uh, MPC. Let, 
Let's see what happened yesterday. We'll see if we get to yesterday's high. That'd be a good target. 133.50 at all-time closing high. Uh, 135.35. Still ooh, three bucks to get to go there. But uh, two days of selling. People are getting, uh, anyone that was buying, getting their money back here. Pre-market high, right at the high of the pre-market right now, 132. All right. I do want to give us a little bit of a warning towards 830. It's not What's the, the number? biggest number, but it's the employment cost index. Okay. So what we'll see there is um, this is a measurement that will help if you're looking to see if inflation is going down in the wages. Right. Um, I know that that affected uh, the recent report. Remember when all of a sudden we were talking about how wages had gone down and wage inflation well, this is one of those reports that you can look into there to find out what's going on. We'll see what happens. Quarter over quarter, Q4 estimate is 1.1. Prior was 1.2. We'll see what happens there. Do I have to go wide on it Don't expect. Not? I don't We've expect you. got to go wide or I can ignore this one. Don't expect it, Dennis. But it's, it's, it's on our reading for Benzinga Pro. Oh, this is ranked three out of five. So it's like in the middle of the line of importance. Not your most important number but at least something to catch. All right, we can keep going though. Let's get towards the next stock. Let's go to Pfizer as they reported earnings today. Let's get to that. Q4 adjusted EPS at $1.14, beat the $1.05 estimate. Sales at $24.29 billion, missed the $24.32 billion estimate. They do see fiscal year 23 adjusted EPS at $3.25 on the low end to $3.45 on the high end. This is a big miss off of the $4.44 estimate. Revenue of $67 billion to $71 billion versus a $74.13 billion estimate. So you can see here their guidance forward for full, uh, fiscal year 23, not looking good here. Um, and then you can see some of the revenues of some of their drugs, just not as high as probably some expect. Definitely missing there for their guidance. Um, th this is... This is a big mistake by me to underestimate how much the revenue from the COVID was into this stock. And, you know, I've been saying on the show to stay away from Moderna, BioNTech because of this. And I underestimate just how much it's in Pfizer. And yeah. this is all related to COVID vaccines. This is why the earnings miss, why the stock's been getting hit. I've been saying, you know, people aren't taking the vaccine like they used to. And then, you know, I, I add to my Pfizer position, which was an epic mistake. So obviously, I've been in Pfizer a long time. My average cost basis was a 13, which I just brought up significantly because I bought more at 46. That was definitely a mistake. Um, I've been in it for so long, I probably stick in it. But I mean, this just has been a, a been a disaster really since I bought it. And obviously, just bought it about a month ago at the beginning of not even a couple of weeks ago. So again, underestimated that. My bad for sure. Again, unlike people like looking past you in the chat who can't admit losers, I will admit losers when I'm wrong. <laughs> so um, this has been a bad trade by me. Oh, boy, oh, boy. And it's getting hit down a buck 15. That's a big move here for Pfizer. Not giving you good news. The pre-market low. Wow, right? Well, 41.83. You're coming back down to your October lows. Uh, you know, maybe you have some big institutional bids at 42. But you're back down at this area. Round tripper from the October low. That was 41.45. Uh, flanked by a 41.75 low. That's you know that would be the the sweet spot today uh, on the downside, uh, getting under forty two. I don't know, Dennis, probably pretty far out. You can't see if there's any institutional bids there on the upside. Forty three forty three lows in the same area, right? At the, let's call it forty three forty forty three fifty. That's going to be uh, big resistance. We just got a nice pop, Dennis. You better watch out there, buddy. We just. Uh, we're green now on the session. Whatever just came out now, uh, they liked it momentarily. We're, uh, we're getting, yep, PMI. There we go. Uh, we are now up. Wait, employment cost index, Q4. Employment cost index. That's what's coming out there. So I'm trying to grab it right now. I went wide. Uh, we got <laughs> I went wide a little bit late. Unbelievably, I, I got picked off on nothing. 0.8% versus 1% prior there. So there you guys see it coming in a little bit under the reading. That's going to be good, showing at least some wage inflation coming down. We'll see what happens on that. That's helping a little bit of lift. But I don't know, man. I, I feel like there's just everyone that – for a while there, everyone was saying that 
the soft landing narrative was just crazy, unheard of. Now you're starting to see everyone saying that the soft landing seems to make sense. This is where it gets a little bit confusing. It's is it really just hard. the price action that's causing this mentality? Or is it necessarily the underlining of the economy? That's what I think we need to ask ourselves right now. Is this soft landing real? Or is this just we're chasing the price action, so we're thinking soft landing? I don't think anybody has the answer to this. And I don't see how it's possible to get a soft landing, but maybe it doesn't even matter. If we you know, go into a bit of a recession, we don't get a soft landing, maybe they're just going to continue to buy them anyways. Who knows? The stock market's definitely... Yeah. Um, somewhat decoupled from where the the economy, I think, is going. But again, you can't argue with price. And that's why in this market, it's very confusing. And again, I'll go back to the Goldman Sachs trader from two months ago we mentioned on this show. And they said, nobody can call this market. And I'm going to say the same thing. This market is the hardest market to call that I have seen in my 22-year career. It is a random walk right now. There is dips, rips. All I can say is fading has worked. But if you're just looking overall and you say, wow, you know, it's been a really good year for the Bulls. Yeah, but look at December. So, okay, from December to January, and now we just got back the losses from December. I mean, really, we're just treading water here. There's certain sectors that have been doing well. Oil stocks been doing exceptionally well. But, you know, even if you were loading drugs at the end of last year and now you're not, you know, those have come off significantly. So rotation is there. The S&Ps just continue to kind of go sideways. So I wouldn't say we're in a bull market. I wouldn't say we're in a bear market right now. We're kind of in a sideways market. How I trade a sideways market is just fading moves, not falling for it. You know, saying, okay, this time it's different. I'm going to load up. The stock just went up 10%. It's going up 20%. Now the stock that goes up 10% often goes back down in this market. Stock that falls 10% sometimes comes back up in this market. So we continue to have to just fade moves. Because it's really difficult to like predict, and we could be in this range for a long time. Yeah, we did. Uh, we got a pop. We didn't get um, didn't get up to the pre market high forty forty four, but uh, right now, I mean, you got a nice pop off that uh, over 20, 27 handles off the low. I think what we'll see here is uh, can we you know can we stay green? Right. We uh, we mm-hmm. had the close from yesterday, the big decline. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this area right here where we're at, whether you're looking at the spiders or you're looking at the S&Ps, uh, there was a couple closes in this area before we had the, you know, the jaunt up to, for the uh, for the S&Ps over forty one hundred. So uh, the bulls got us off the low and they got us green on the session. Uh, we'll see if it can, can carry over uh, that. Uh, liquidity comes in at 9.30. Uh, we got J.C. Peretz coming up uh, in oh, a JC, couple minutes. Nice. Yeah, J.C. will come up. I'm sure he'll have a He'll have a, a few opinions. To, yeah, he'll have a few opinions about this <laughs> market. Uh, do we want to want to stick one more report in here? I guess the drive through indicator at McDonald's is not working out as well. Trading down 5.39. You want to do the Mickey D report? Yeah, sure, let's do it. it. Let's do Mickey D's here. Um, I know I have it somewhere here. There it is. All right, uh, EPS here, Q4 EPS at $2.59 beat the $2.46 estimate. Sales of $5.93 billion beat the $5.69 billion estimate. McDonald's global comparable sales increased over 12% for Q4. One thing that I did see in the earnings is that their international growth is actually not that bad. Uh, of course, China giving, giving them a hit, but if you look elsewhere um, in international exposure, they're actually doing well. Uh, th- during this time, of course, in the earnings, they started talking about how people are switching from, you know, main restaurants to now some Big Macs and some uh, some of their nuggets. Well, I don't think I'm getting McDonald's. I probably go to another fast food joint. But hey, it could be true, right? Uh, McDonald's is recessionary stock. It's been trading up and trading near all time highs because mm-hmm. people are predicting tougher times. And people have been hiding there. So it's not surprising that we're in the dash for trash. McDonald's is the opposite of this, even though the food is kind of not that great. I would say I wouldn't call it trash, though. I will tell you, people shop there. Those lines are always still busy. These earnings were great as always. Comparable comps are up 12% global comps. These numbers are really good. But you know what? Expectations are just all in there. The stock's trading. Where is it trading? 24, 25 times earnings? It's not, not market multiple. Whereas uh, the two, even if you you go through it, it it's trading. 
Wait, find out where the P is there on that match. Got you. Uh, 34. 34 times earnings. I mean, people are hiding here and paying the premium for it. I'd love McDonald's down at a market multiple in 19 or 20. But again, this is just priced to perfection. The earnings are fine. It's still going down on good earnings because this is just actually just too 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 crowded price for perfection. I'm surprised yeah. people still go to this place, but <laughs> wow, what a pop! Uh, wow, this thing got almost a 278, 277, 98 on that headline number. Mm, the only place where uh, I have a couple lows in the same area, and then really not even that close. I'd say. Let's call it 263. Um, I just give that two-star support since we have bounced off the low. Pre-market low, 63.53. Wow, that coincides exactly with the other daily low. Two-buck pop, heavy lifting to get to the bottom of yesterday's yep. range. 270 if you want to be out there on a gap fill. Uh, Spoos are now picking yeah, up are. that momentum. They've held unchanged uh Moving up towards now the pre-market high of 4044. Not much in there yesterday as far as resistance goes, folks, because you know, kind of came down hard through this area yesterday. I still can't do it. I, I don't go back to McDonald's. I don't know about <laughs> you, Joel and Dennis. If you guys have re- every eaten once in, in the a last while, year. Every once in a while, like I think. Oh, I mean, I go man, elsewhere. Man. I go elsewhere. You know, Culver's, you know, Chick-fil-A, other ones that I feel are a little bit healthier for you than McDonald's. But hey. Well, then oh, I God, eat that Big Mac and then like the and then like I'm like, oh, why did I eat that Big Mac? You know, after afterwards. But or just uh, make your own burgers, right? Get that barbecue yeah. going. All people right, are lazy. The, they don't do that. That's why people go that. to McDonald's continuously. Oh, it's not cold over here, Joel. It's 65 degrees oh, over here, we got to go visit Mitch, man. <laughs> All right, let's get to the action. Let's go to our guest today. We'll get out of the Big Mac's talk and we'll get another Big Mac up here. Uh, J.C. Perrette's All-Star Charts. Let's get into the action. What's going on, JC? Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing good, doing good. Uh, got a nice uh, little pop here going into markets. And uh, whether you want to talk, I know you don't want to talk indexes, but we can talk We can talk sectors. Just, uh, let's talk about January. Like the January effect uh, kind of worked out after the, uh, the, the you know couple days. But uh, just give us appraisal. So goes January. So goes the market for the year, JC. Yeah, so I think you're talking about the January barometer. Right. So the January effect is when small caps outperform large caps, which tends to be more of like a December effect. But yes, in January, the January effect for sure, small caps definitely outperformed. You know, I think that's more of a function of risk appetite for this bull market. I mean, we've been Mm -hmm. in a raging bull market for, you know, for seven months, uh, pushing on eight months already. It's almost impossible to not make money from the long side in this market, which is a far cry from what we saw in the latter half of 2021, first half of 2022. Uh, so January coming in strong, I think is just a continuation of the bull market that we've obviously been in. And what I think is worth pointing to, less so the small caps in terms of the January effect, but more so the rotation into growth, right? So yeah. what do we see in bull markets? We see laggards catching up to the leaders, right? In bear markets, what do you normally see? You see the last leaders falling down and catching down to the laggards, right? That's that's normal bear market stuff. In bull markets, sector rotate, what do they say? Sector rotation is the lifeblood of a bull market. And literally everything was working. I mean, the fourth quarter was one of the best quarters in the history of the stock market for equities, not just in the United States, but globally. But what was not working? The growth stocks, the NASDAQ stocks, like those were like the only ones not working. And what's the best performing area in January and in 2023? is those growth stocks, those NASDAQ stocks that were the last one. So that positive sector rotation um, and continued breath improvement is further evidence that the bull market is still here, um, has been here for eight months, and it's been it's been a, a great market for longs, <laughs> to say the least. How long does it last? Like, can this continue to go? Are you still like, you know, rah, rah, bullish? Does this continue to go? Or is it getting long in the tooth? Because I agree with you. I don't agree with you seven months, but I can see clearly three months. That was October lows were there. 
So everything kind of turned in October. I don't know where you get seven months, but I can definitely see where you get well, you know, three months if, from. If you go back, if you go back when we had this same discussion at, in early October, I had already told you that we were in a bull market for three months, right? Where was that? Where are you getting that from, though? I don't understand because I look, you know, I, maybe you're looking at different. So sectors, in June, but... the new 52 week lows list peaked, right? On June 16th. So ever since then, the majority of stocks have gone up. So by the time that the S&P 500 and the Dow, remember in October, they made like a brief low for like a hot second and then came back quickly. In that hot second that those indexes made a brief low, right? I mean, it was like a day or two or something like that. There were no stocks left making new lows, like none, right? Most stocks were already ripping up and to the right because the stock market bottom was in June. Just because some of these indexes had way too much growth exposure and made a brief new low, that's not the stock market's fault, right? That that's the fault of like some some suits in New York that you know create those indexes. But that that's not the stock market's fault. Stock market bottomed in June, right? By the time IWM, you're you looking saw, at like those brief new lows in October, there were no stocks making new lows yet anymore. You, we, I, I missed what you were looking at. IWM is that what you were looking at? Well, IWM <laughs> is the small cap index. I'm looking at all stocks. Um, what index were you grabbing to grab the lows in June? Peaked in June. Uh, on the NASDAQ, it peaked well before that. So by the time that, you know, if you want to talk about the IWM, small caps didn't make new lows in October. No, I know. They they looked like the micro caps. Yeah. So all of those bottomed in June. So it was only large cap growth that was still struggling going into the fourth quarter. I told you guys in October, we had already been in a bull market for three, four months. Now we've been in it for eight months. If you want to talk about long in the tooth, People were telling me that we're in a bear market. People were still asking me when stocks are going to bottom. <laughs> we're seeing stocks doubling and tripling off the summer lows. You go sector by sector. Every single one is up on both a cap-weighted and an equally-weighted basis. Most of them are up over 20%. So, I mean, this is a raging bull market. It's been almost impossible to not make money from the long side. And, yes, I do think it continues because sentiment is just so wrong. People think this is still a bear market. Like it's like sentiment is so far removed from reality that I think that leads me to believe that, yes, we are still very much in the early stages. So what are we looking for, for, you know, evidence that we're going to get a severe correction? I would look for breath deterioration. We haven't seen that. We've only seen continued breath expansion. You know, the, the, the percentage of stocks above their 40 week moving average, for example, is at the highest levels in a year, right? We're seeing expansion in participation. We have the most sectors that we've seen in multiple years above their 200-day moving average. Uh, the percentage of stocks making new highs continues to expand. The new lows list is non-existent. So when you talk about, you know, what's going to drag the market lower, which stocks, which sectors, I can't point to one. Um, so I would look for breath deterioration, which to be sure we haven't seen. And I would look for the U.S. dollar. Remember what I was saying that was going to be the catalyst to get stocks really going. And the fourth quarter, like I said, was one of the best quarters ever. I mean, just absolute ripper in stocks. The dollar got smoked. It was the first time that we saw three straight months of dollar declines since the end of COVID, which sparked the greatest 52-week period in the history of the stock market, as you guys remember. So what's it going to take to put pressure in stocks? I think it's going to be a stronger dollar. So that's what I would be watching um, for sure. Again, All right. chicken and egg with the dollar, though, JC, because I, you know money, when it's flowing out of stocks, it goes to safety, and which drives the U.S. dollar as well. There's always been an inverse correlation, basically, for the last 20 years. Not I've always, created. but over the last, like, six years, six, seven yeah. years. Yeah, well, back to 20, if you go back even to 2020, 20, or uh, to 2000, 2001, and then in the financial crisis, 2008, 2009, it was vicious. Right, um, yep. Obviously, yep. they were selling stocks and just going to dollars. So sometimes I wonder, like, and I, I don't know that there's evidence either way, but is it the chicken or the egg? Is it the stocks driving money into the dollar or is it safety trade and the dollar goes? But yeah. I completely agree with you watching the dollar. It usually is inverse, at least in the last six to 10 years, like you're saying, it is inversely correlated. So I, I don't know which is the leader sometimes, though. Is it stocks or is yeah. it the dollar? You know, listen, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. It's yeah. one I ask myself. It's one I don't have the answer to. And it's also one that I think you would agree doesn't really matter. Right? Yeah, true. I think what really matters is, and yes, in 2008, 2009, the correlations were off the charts, right? Negative correlation. It was yeah. the safe haven, that in treasury bonds. But let's, yeah. let's fast forward to this environment. What happened last year? 
Stocks were getting hit in the first half of uh, 2022, which was a continuation of the bear market that started in Q1 of 2021, right? When all that deterioration started in February, right? That was the peak of the market, February 21. But what happened in the first half of last year? A continuation of that bear market. As stocks really got going to the downside, were treasury bonds a safe haven? No. Bonds got hit even worse. Was gold a safe haven? No. Gold sucked as usual. Was the Japanese yen a safe haven, which, as you're well aware, has been traditionally a flight to safety over many years, was hitting 20-year lows. None of those things served as a safe haven. What was the only safe haven? It was the United States dollar. So coming into the back half of last year, as we were in the camp that the bull market had already started, we were looking for a ripper in October, as we discussed on the show at the beginning of October. What were we looking for to be the major catalyst? It was dollar weakness. And then what happened at the beginning of October, right when I was last on your show? Barron's came out with the cover with George Washington jumping out of a dollar bill, like muscle man with like the, you know, with a, a, a tank top, right? You know, the Bloomberg week, business week came out with the can't stop, won't stop uh, <laughs> cover, like all within the same week. I mean, it was out of control. And that was a dollar peak. And the dollar got absolutely smoked in the fourth quarter. How'd stocks do? Stocks absolutely ripped in the fourth quarter, has continued into January, obviously, with that weaker dollar. So we can we can make the bet that the correlation is now going to change. We can make that bet. We can bet that it was all one big coincidence and it doesn't matter. Sure, knock yourself out. Or we can bet that the correlation remains in place, right? And that if stocks are going to continue to do well, if this bull market is going to continue to rage on, if the longs are going to continue to be rewarded, I think dollar weakness is part of that formula. For sure. Uh, so if you're looking for anything uh, to suggest that stocks are likely to be under pressure at, at some point this quarter, I would look to the dollar. So is it the chicken or the egg? I don't know. I think it's more coincident than anything else, which is, you know, all we really need to know. So, and instead of obsessing over the dollar index, I would focus on the components of the dollar. Look at the euro, look at the yen, look at the British pounds, emerging market currencies, CAD, Aussie, Swissy. I would look at the components and see if they start to roll over as evidence that the dollar in general is strengthening. To be clear, we haven't seen that yet. So if you are seeing this action in the new bull market, where are you looking? Is it tech? And is that where you're looking, JC? Well, it's certainly where we've been. Um, it's certainly where we've been this year. I mean, that Tesla trade, holy cow. I mean, I, I should just call it a year. You know, uh, if, 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 I, if I were managing other people's money instead of just my own, I might just send it in for the year and, and, and start taking golf lessons or something like that. Um, I'm not going to do that. But if I were doing this uh, for other investors and I could just put up a banner a year, I might just do that. Uh, these semiconductors, the Micron, absolutely ripping off the lows. I mean, just throw a dart at any of these growth stocks. The worse, the better, right? You know, it's really been a beta chase. Um, and speaking of beta chase, you're seeing high beta outperforming low volatility and making new highs. Mm -hmm. That is classic bull market behavior. So that shouldn't be any surprise at all. Stocks were under pressure. You would see those low volatility stocks outperforming things like staples, utilities. They've been getting crushed, particularly on a relative basis. Um, so what did we say earlier? Sector rotation is the lifeblood of a bull market, right? So the idea is to catch those rotations like we did in January. I wish I knew that tech would have come in this strong. I would have owned more, right? Always mm -hmm. when you're right, you didn't own enough. When you're wrong, no. you own too much, right? No. That's just law of the land. Um, but nevertheless, we, we, we did okay. And um, the rotation came in. So what gave you the signal on Tesla? Because I know you're usually a momentum guy. And I mean, Tesla's still overall in this downtrend. What gave you the signal to go bullish? And when did you go bullish, bullish Tesla and why? Yeah, so at the end of December, you have what I like to call whipsaw hunting season, right? And what happens during, why, what is whipsaw hunting season? Well, that, the week between Christmas and New Year's, the biggest fund managers in the world are not at work. They're not at their desks. Yeah. They're skiing in the Alps. They're spending time with their families. They're not going to their offices in Greenwich, right? We all know that. I have friends that work there. I've worked there myself. We have employees at All Star Charts that have worked there. They, they call it uh, 
good parking season because they get better uh, parking spots because the parking lots are empty. So the, the people who actually work there, I call it whipsaw hunting season. So what happens? Well, because the fund managers, the big PMs are not at their desks, you have the B squad, right? And what it, the B squad, the junior guys, they're not allowed to do anything, right? They're just there to make sure that nothing screws up, right? So because they're not allowed to do anything, extended trends tend to get a little bit more extended during that week, right? Um, and then when the big boys come back after New Year's, you get that epic reversal. You see it every year. Sometimes it's gold. Sometimes it's treasury bonds. You know, whatever, whatever's really stretched at that point. By the way, in both directions, up and down. In this case, those growth stocks were just crushed. The Teslas, the ARCs. It wasn't yeah. just Tesla. It was that whole group, right? Oh, yeah, I hate it. So when we were, when it was whipsaw hunting season, we were looking for extended trends. I couldn't think of a more extended trend. And then when you look on Twitter, you see the angriest people on the internet nonstop pounding their chest about how, you know, how irresponsible it is, you know, for people to have held Tesla this whole time, lack of risk management, blah, blah, blah. Kathy Wood is a fraud, blah, like every day, all day, people who don't even have positions in Tesla. So, you, I, you know, I, I, I'm kind of a Twitter ninja. I've been at this for 15 years. You know, I kind of use it to my advantage. You guys who follow me, I kind of sometimes get, I like to poke, you know, the trolls a little bit to get feedback. You know, I use this as information. So I'm like, okay, sentiment is washed out in, not just Tesla, it was that whole group. It was just Tesla was the vehicle we chose because the risk reward was the best. Then when you take the, the uh, Fibonacci extensions to the downside, because we were short Tesla in the fourth quarter, right? Tesla hit our target at 105, right? So our downside targets were exhausted. We're in cash positions. Sentiment is washed out. We're in the heart of whipsaw hunting season, right? So we're like, okay, if Tesla can get above 122, because that those are multiple key right Fibonacci extensions and retracements yep. clustering together at the same level. If yeah. we're above 122, we're all in. Below that, let it go to zero. Who cares? Not our problem. And what happened? It got above 122 and we had an epic move. So I had it in the day trading account. I had it in the swing trading account. Nice. I had it in my long-term account. I had the old Texas hedge on. So Do you still out. have it all on? I have none of it on. What? What? Where was your exit and why your exit? Just I'm, I'm just trying to uh, just to get well, the trades. Well, for the day trades, they were at the end of the day, like each day, because okay. uh, my margin clerk says I'm not allowed to take all that overnight. So there's that. <laughs> okay. Um, from a swing trading perspective as well, I only get two to one leverage on the uh, on the swing trade, so I don't have that much. And in the long-term portfolios, I was looking at 160, 165. Why, how'd you come up with that number? Those are a combination of Fibonacci extensions yeah. and retracements from the bigger moves. I mean, perfect trade. We talked actually, the funny thing on this show, we talked about the 125 too, and it's funny how sometimes, you know, we've been in the business a long time and just independently we come up with the same number. And I was saying the same thing on this show. Yep. When I had the two, three days of consolidation at 125, I'm like, this looks like it's setting up to go to 150. And it did. Um, and obviously, it's continued from there. But um, but yeah, it's funny how you come up with the same conclusion. JC, one thing before we let you go. you So you can fight the Fed, right? I mean, for what the Fed was doing last he year. He hates so, the Fed. Yeah. JC hates the Fed. <laughs> I wanted to get him. I wanted to get him. You yeah. can't fight the Fed and kick their butt, right, JC? Listen, first of all, I couldn't care less about the Fed. They don't care about me. I don't care about them. But I hate them. I, they're just, they don't mean anything to me. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, they, you know, it's just, it's just, they're just there. I don't know them personally. I'm sure they're great guys. Maybe they're terrible people. I have no idea. I, I just think that I don't know who, what criminal sociopath came up with the phase, don't fight the Fed. That is a blatant lie. And Ned anybody Davis. who believes that needs to check themselves into a mental institution. The quote, to be clear, comes from Marty Zweig in his top 10 rules of investing. And it's rule number six. It's don't fight the Fed. And then in parentheses, it says not as valid as rule number one. That is the quote. What's rule don't number one? Fed, don't fight the Fed. Not as valid as rule number one, literally. And what is rule number one? Don't fight the tape. 
the trend is your friend. Oh, that's a good rule. So that's a good rule. People are always misquoting Marty Zweig and put all this emphasis on a misquote that actually has an asterisk, like a Barry Bonds home run, right? So I, I think the fact that like, People are just, don't fight the Fed, don't fight the Fed. I think people just repeat things that they hear. They don't know what it means. And they just, oh, don't fight the Fed. Humans will say anything to justify their irresponsible behavior. And I think people who say don't fight the Fed is exactly that. You're misquoting a legend. You know, let let the, the, the late, great Marty Zweig li- live. Let the legend live. Like to quote uh, Nas in the song Ether where he rips Jay-Z, let, what did he say? Let the legend live, right? When, you know, because uh, jay Z is always quoting Biggie Smalls and Nas took that offensively, whatever. Let the, let the, let the legend live. Stop misquoting him. He's, Marty Zweig was the man. Why are people always misquoting him? I don't understand. From, from what I know is Ned Davis, but hey. I think a lot of people say don't fight the Fed. I say it too. Um, So, I mean, it's not. I don't. I didn't know where it came from. I don't think I made it up. But there's lots of people that obviously say that as well. But Dennis, you've been around this for a while. Yeah. Are you going to – what's more important? Don't fight the Fed or don't fight the tape? The tape, 100%. 100%. So, I like it that he's got the rules all the way down. Number one – and I've been saying that too because overall, I'm kind of in this bearish camp. But I was like, I can't have – I can't be short this market right now. I mean, it's going up. So, you know, my Listen, logic it depends says... On, it depends on your time frame. Well, right? 100%. Yes, we, were short, we were short Netflix and the Qs yesterday in our day trading room. Yeah. And we're in a raging bull market. So there's a time and a place for everything. For sure. For sure. And it all depends on your time frames as well. I mean, you took tests on all time frames because you liked it in all time frames. Right. But, you know, we love, you know, that, you know, different time frames for different traders. And I mean, some of these... I mean, if you're just a pure day trader, you don't have to worry about the Fed as much. You don't. You're in there. You're trend following. You're doing different things. To I don't think any investor needs works to worry too. about the Fed. I don't understand why the Fed is relevant to anybody. First of all, people think they know what the Fed is thinking. People don't know what their own family members are thinking. And they live with these people. <laughs> That's a good point there. <laughs> How on earth could you possibly know what the Fed is thinking? You do not. That's a good point. You do not know. Hey, hey, hey JC, g- give me give me a target. Give me some targets here on, and I know this is going to send you into orbit here. Give me a target on the S&P 500. Well, to be sure, we've been very neutral, the S&P 500, for months because he we're below this 4150 level, right? The S&P 500 is a mess. So it's been an environment where you want to be sector-specific, stock-specific, if you own large cap U.S. indexes, you're probably driving yourself crazy. You're probably watching the Fed too much, right? You know, <laughs> it's a remember, it's a market of stocks. It's a stock market. The only people who think we're in a bear market are the people looking at indexes, especially U.S. large cap indexes. If people took the time to just count how many stocks are going up and how many stocks going down, literally, it's third grade arithmetic. But people are lazy. They don't want to do that. You're looking for cheats, and they think that the index and whatever the Fed said is going to tell them what to buy, when all you need to do is put on some music and just go chart by chart. And you'll notice very quickly, and you, you we've been seeing it since June, right? They've been going up, not down. More of them are going up. Fewer are going down. More sectors are participating to the upside. More countries are participating to the downside. European banks were up 25% in the fourth quarter. European banks. What recession, bro? Uh, and I'm with you on China's turn, and a lot of things have turned here. So we've got to respect that dude, case. J.C. Peretz, rocking listen, it. Chinese, Chinese artificial intelligence. That's the trade. Chinese artificial intelligence. It's a scary thought, but nevertheless, IQ. Check out IQ. Uh, it's about halfway to our target, but really moving. Stocks sold off yesterday. This thing was up like 10% or something ridiculous. This is IQYI, some kind of like internet, you know, entertainment scam going on in China, but it's moving higher. That's all it matters. <laughs> okay. All right, JC. Great interview. As always, JC Pratt, founder of All Star Charts, telling it like the way he sees it. We love having you on, JC, and we're not going to wait so long to have you on again. So Anytime, guys. Love you. Thank you. Thanks, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. S and P's. I mean, 
people must have been listening. We're not supposed to talk to the S and P, Joel. <laughs> I, I know, Stop I looking know. at the S and P. I know. I know it. It's funny because I know these things when, like, I love JC. I, like, ask a question. He's so I, he's he he's our one of our most colorful guests. He gets right in there. He's not afraid to get in there, give his opinion, or piss people off. The hopium is good, my friends. The hopium is good. That's what I would say. The hopium is good out there. I I mean, he's right, though. Like, I don't know about (laughs) the seven months, but he's definitely right. We've been in a bull market for three months because we know, like, the general electrics. I mean, there's been so many stocks. And and looking to the world markets, he's probably right, too, if you start looking outside the U.S. I trade U.S. stocks. We talk U.S. stocks on this show 98% of the time. So that's where we focus. And obviously, our, our bull market started in October. But I mean, if you look back and you look at the world indices and you just look at some of the other stocks, there's definitely been a run for even longer than that. And to his point, IWM didn't bottom in October. It actually bottomed in June, which is a small cap index. So they've held up while it double bottomed in October, um, mm-hmm. came back, retested, did not take out the lows. So um, the technicals actually are have been good for the last couple of months overall. Obviously, in the growthy stocks, it's been a three-week run here. I tend to think we're long in the tooth, but you know this could continue. Yeah, don't 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 fight the tape. Don't fight the fan and fight the don't fight the tape. All well, right, and there's a good point there too. And I mean, again, <laughs> I, I would put both. the tape. I like I like the one and the you six. Like the I mean, tape, we say Dennis, don't fight the you, fed. Oh, Yeah, you've always been the tape, tape. guy. But yeah, I'm a tape. Yeah. I'm all about the tape too. So me and JC completely agree on number one. It's about the tape. And my logic says number six, don't fight the Fed. But my trading in this month has been <laughs> don't fight the tape. And we've been saying it on this show. I'm like, I can't sit here and just short everything and saying we're going back down eventually because I don't know if that's the case. So it's fun to have JC. It gives you, you know, the technical views. He's a technician, obviously, and he sticks fully to the technicals, which and it has been a great edge for him for a number of years. He's been a great trader for a number of years. And we've had him on the show coming on for, what, eight, nine years now? Yeah, we've had him so, on. Yeah, JC's yep. always been yep. good. Yep. Fight different views. Different the, people have different types yep, of strategies. But JC don't fight the deputy. The technicals. Yep. <laughs> okay. I'll let you guys uh, finish things up and I'll uh, be back with you later. All right. 903. That's going to do it for us today here on Pre Market Prep. You guys have a great one. Like I always. mean, before you go, I'd just like to sum up here because I, I just wanted to give some overall thoughts here on the market that yeah, we're still in a range. I mean, we're going to get much more fundamental information coming to us here. So um, obviously the 410, if you're looking at the S&Ps, 410 still remains major resistance. We got up there two days ago and failed. Um, but with so much information coming, what you know, and I do care about the Fed, Wednesday morning, obviously we're going to get Powell. It's going to be market moving. Apple, Amazon, Google, Meta, AMD, Snapchat tonight. Don't forget about Snapchat. Snapchat will move Meta, will move Google. We'll move, obviously, Pinterest will move off of it as well. But just keep an eye because it gives you a gauge for online advertising. It's not that Snapchat is a huge player, but they're the first ones always to report for the online advertisers. So it gets a feel. And Snapchat's struggling. They automatically think, oh, maybe Google's going to be struggling. So Google will move off Snapchat despite Snap, you know, Snapchat being so small compared to Google. So keep an eye on Snapchat. It's important in the market tonight. We'll look to see if it fills that daily gap to the left, right? I drew it for you guys so you guys can see it. There is a gap there from earnings. I'm pretty sure we'll see if it starts pushing back into that 11. uh, Yesterday's high is an important one to look at, 11.39. We'll look to see if we get through it today. Maybe they're running into it already. You can see the collection of volume and how volume has been coming in it in the last couple of days. That shows me a little bit more that people are probably playing this into the earnings. We'll find out today. All right, that's going to do it for us. Like always, keep watch on the markets. We'll see what happens today. Does Tesla keep going down? We'll see. And like always, we don't know exactly where the markets will be. The only thing we can do is focus on the price action. We'll see what happens there. Dennis, go do what you do best. Thanks, man. Good luck with your Tesla trade. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to wrap up the show here. We'll bring you guys over to live trading. That's coming up next. You guys don't want to go anywhere. Get over to the live trading action. You guys want to see me close that Tesla trade. We'll see what happens today. Can we keep pushing uh, a little bit lower? I'm going to look for it to see if we can get at least a cut down out the gates. Like always, you guys can stick around right here on Benzinga. You don't got to go anywhere. Smash the like button. We got a lot for you. And don't miss it. Of course, the book club keeps growing here, team. So I want to go ahead and give you guys the opportunity to keep joining the book club. 
excited about the next week. We'll get into chapter uh, four and five as we keep pushing forward. Don't want to miss it. Trading in the zone. We're going to keep building our skills. Now to bring you guys over to live trading action, hit the like button on your way out. If you guys enjoyed all the action today, maybe JC Peretz appearance, right? Hey, it was both sides, right? There's always both sides of this stick, right? And I think that's an important thing to always present. Well, here you guys see it. Big bullish, big bull today looking at the markets in a bull market right now where a lot of people are looking at it in a bear market. That's what it's all about, right? Here, we bring you guys the perspective. Now it's time for you guys to go into execution mode. Go do what you do best, team. We'll be right back.